0: coming up next on the Fly Swing Podcast.
1: There's, you know, thousands of awesome small organizations that are doing really important work on a smaller level, whether it's in one, you know, state park or a national park or a city park. And so um, if there's an area you regularly visit and you get a lot out of it, you know, look up the area, the, the groups that are working to protect it. And, you know, whether it's donating money, donating time, Um, there's so many valuable organizations out there and they're pretty easy to find. So take the time.
0: That was Peter Murray with a reminder of where you can start to help protect some of your local habitats. The seven basic principles of leave no trace today on the wet fly swing podcast. Welcome to the wet fly swing fly fishing show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how you doing today? Thanks for stopping by the show. Today's episode is sponsored by Bear Vault, who has the perfect solution to keep your provisions secure while heading into the backcountry. Bear Vault builds a rugged polycarbonate locking canister that keeps bears and other wild critters out of your food. You can check out Bear Vault right now, wetflyswing.com slash bearvault. That's B-E-A-R-V-A-U-L-T, and you support this podcast by clicking over to Bear Vault. Big reminder, we are launching a giveaway all week here. This is the Steelhead School giveaway. If you want to go on a trip with Jeff Liske, one of the great steelhead anglers and teachers in the country, this is the one for you. We're heading out to Steelhead Alley out of, uh, out of the Great Lakes. I'm going to be there along with Jeff and the crew. So you can uh, join this giveaway right now, wetflyswing.com giveaway. And that's the best way to join today. Peter Murray and Gary Huey are here from Leave No Trace. We discover what they have going on to keep your natural areas clean and diverse, which auto manufacturer is leading the way, and what you can do today, even if you're just at a local park. There's all sorts of stuff uh, we talk about today. Uh, This is a great intro episode. So without further ado, here we go. Gary Huey and Peter Murray from leavenotrace.org. How's it going, guys? It's going great over
1: here. A good yeah. yeah.
0: Good, good. Good here as well. Nice. Nice. Well, we got, we don't always do the, the, the three person episodes. So let's start off. Um, Peter, let's start off with you. Where Now, where are you from right now? Where are you calling from?
1: Yeah, I'm calling from, uh, sunny Louisville, Colorado. So it's about, about 15 minutes outside of Boulder, which is where we are headquartered.
2: Oh, there you go. All right. That's right. And then Gary, where are you at? Yeah, I'm calling in from California, the, the Bay area right now. Oh, so, good. 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 Yeah.
0: All right. There we go. So, So yeah, Gary, why don't you start us off? We're um, you know, I like to get a little background on on all of our guests before we jump into Leave No Trace and all the good stuff you guys have going there. So, and I'm not totally sure on your background. I'm not sure if you do any kind of or maybe maybe just tell us what is your outdoor sport if you had to pick one thing. What what's that thing you're doing like this weekend?
2: Yeah, that's hard. Um, it's right now it's really hot in California. Or I would say I'm a big backpacker. most recently got into fishing as well. Um, but I, I really enjoy getting out deep in the, the back country as well. So
0: there you go. So just long extent, I mean, what is for you, are you, are you like long trips or is it like the, the, the day hike stuff more your, your style?
2: I like the, the, the three to four days is a, is a good um, amount of time in the backcountry for me. Um, yeah, you have enough time to get, you know, as deep as you want, but, um, not too long to where, you know, you have to pack too much. Right. Yeah. You can you can stay light. Nice. So so I
0: hope to. Uh, we're definitely going to talk a little backpacking today, and uh, and we'll dig into that a little bit. And and then on the leave no trace, give us a little a short snippet on how that came to be for you.
2: Yeah. For myself, um, I well, my first backpacking trip um, is when I was first introduced to leave no trace. They um, I was kind of a part of a study away program. To where we went backpacking and they introduced and taught us given the trace before we went out um, which looking back on that was um, a really you know good thing to teach a bunch of first-time backpackers before you went out and so that's where I first heard of it um, and then later to 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 work for the organization and see uh, everything that they've been doing is the growth and continual progress of my experience with Living the trace
1: hmm
2: Nice. And how about you, Peter, give us your, uh,
0: your background story. I know you have some fishing, so talk about uh, with the, with our guests, we like to hear, you know, the fly fishing, how that came to be first and then talk about leave no trace.
1: Yeah, totally. So, um, I guess I kind of answered the original question. Um, for me, my, my, my favorite outdoor activity is kind of, uh, dependent on the season. So if there's snow on the ground, it's split boarding. If there's not snow on the ground, even if there is snow on the ground, oftentimes fly fishing. And so I, I grew up in the upper Midwest where, uh, you know, being outside and fishing is kind of part of the lifestyle. Um, and so ever since I you know can remember fishing was always my favorite thing to do as like a three-year-old, all my Christmas and birthday presents were something to do with fishing. Um, but that was more kind of the, the classic, you know, rod and reel spinner type fishing, um, on the, the upper Mississippi, uh, which you know, an awesome way to get outside an awesome way to, you know, kind of experience the, the joys and the, you know, sometimes discouraging days <laughs> of fishing. Um, but then I, I was fortunate enough to go to, to go to school up in the Driftless region, which for, oh, nice. for anyone who's not familiar is um, a hidden gem in uh, Iowa, Minnesota and Wisconsin, where there's just phenomenal fly fishing, mountain biking, climbing, all, all those typical activities associated with, with the West. And so um, pretty quickly hopped on uh, the small stream, you know, trout fishing Um, originally started with a rod and reel and, you know, some, some spinners, and then was fortunate enough to actually take a a college credit course Hmm. um, where I learned how to tie flies and learned how to uh, go fly fishing. And so to get an A in the class, all I had to do was catch one fly with one uh, or one fish with one fly I tied. So it was <laughs> definitely the best college course I ever took. Um, there you go. So that was kind of my introduction and kind of since then, the class sort of, you know, being obsessed. So
0: who was the, do you remember the, the professor or who was the teacher in that class? That's, I wonder if, was uh, this in I Colorado?
1: No, it, it, in uh, Decorah, Iowa. Oh, okay. oh, in Iowa. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Up in the drift list. So oh, Yeah. Out. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah, we've we've got a driftless episode coming out tomorrow on our Thursday episode, so it's all all driftless and Euronimping. So yeah, you can check that one out.
1: Nice, nice.
0: Right on. So and then, and so then, how did you get into the leave no trace?
1: Yeah. Um, so just being someone who was outside all the time as a as a kid, there's always kind of that association between you know where I was and and what I was getting out of that space and kind of how finite that that resource is. And so, you know, the concept of leave no trace, pack it in, pack it out, leave it better than you found it was always at the forefront and didn't, you know, have a a real introduction to the organization until uh, similar to Gary. I was on a, I I studied abroad in South Africa for Mm. a year um, and was part of a mountain club there in which, you know, the actual varying grain leave no trace organization, seven principles was very at the forefront of all of our activities. And so that's that was where I had my first true introduction to the organization. Um, but the framework of thought, I think, is, you know, there for lots of people before they necessarily knew that there is, you know, a group behind it all.
0: That's right. Yeah, it's become kind of, I mean, you've got the leave no trace and we're gonna dig into a little bit of history there, but it's it's just bigger. I mean, it's become just leave no trace is not I mean, I don't even know. Probably people don't even apply it necessarily to your um what you guys do there necessarily, right? Is it become this broader thing now where just it's a, encompassing, you know, it's just a name, everybody knows what it is. Do you guys find that? Or does
2: anybody not know what it is these days? I yeah. think that most people uh that we talk to have the concept of leaving no trace without the association in the nonprofit. Um, first and foremost. And then you do get those uh, people you interact with who are super fans of the Leave No Trace the organization as well um, mm-hmm. and know all the work that we're consistently doing. Um, but yeah, I'd say people most often know Leave No Trace.
0: Gotcha. So most people. And, and what is the, and I want to I want to dig into uh, some of the work you guys are doing as well. But uh, maybe we can just start. I mean, the principles, That's that seems like the probably the most general thing we could talk about to help somebody who maybe doesn't know. Because I think that, you know, you can imagine the person's out there hiking or fishing or outdoors and they're, you know, you know the, they have a banana, right? And they have this peel and they just throw it off into the bushes and it just seems, you know, and it disappears, right? It's like gone. That's, you know, what some people probably think. Talk about that a little bit. Like, what is, is that something, you know, those types of things how much of an impact is that? Let's first start with the principles and then talk about some of the examples of things people maybe do that don't realize is impacting the environment.
1: Totally. Yeah, I can start with that one. Um, So I'll start with the seven principles um, are 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 really more of a framework than necessarily a direct, you know, uh, kind of direct guideline of this is exactly what you have to do. Um, Because we we fully recognize that every outdoor you know experience is is unique, and because of that, your approach to how to preserve that space, whether it's you know mountain biking and the, you know, Sierras or fishing in the upper Midwest. And so, so the seven principles are, are meant to be adaptable and kind of flexible depending on what you're doing. Um, but I'd say overall, they're, 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 they're meant to just kind of spur that internal conversation so that, so that you're, you're thinking about what you're doing and how it's impacting the outdoors. Um, and so obviously there's a lot of really great specific examples for specific activities Um, that you can check out on our website, lnt.org. Um, but the general framework behind it is just starting that conversation so that, you know, you're, you're looking where you're stepping, you're picking up that, that apple core, um, you're, you're packing in your trash, not feeding animals, you know? Um, so yeah, that's kind of the way I look at, at, at the seven principles. Um, and, and I'm, you know, everyone has their own kind of interaction with it, but I think just that general guideline of, of, being aware and being present, um, is really what, what we strive for, um, when, when kind of applying that to your, your, your outdoor spaces.
0: Okay. Perfect. And, and what are the, I mean, just for, again, for somebody that's totally, you know, is new to this, what, what are the seven principles?
1: Yeah. So principle one, um, we got plan ahead and prepare, um, that is, you know, kind of the overarching principle, uh, Gary likes to say it's the principle of all principles, uh, in that, uh, before you're out on the trail, before you're doing anything, you're doing research on that area. Um, you're, you know, looking at stuff that the land manager are putting out, you're assessing areas of special concern, um, you know, making plans for if it's going to rain, are you going to be packing, you know, waterproof shells, if it's going to be cold, are you packing extra layers? Um, and just kind of starting that, 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 discussion before you're even on the trail and so principle two is travel and camp on durable surfaces that's pretty self-explanatory again it's kind of dependent on where you are what is a durable surface and how to move through those areas but you know again check your local your local area principle three dispose of waste properly so a lot of this has to do with with human waste Um, and so knowing where you're at knowing types of regulations that are in place there whether it's digging a cat hole, using a wag bag, but you know, making sure that, that you're informed on what the land managers want you to do for of waste. And then obviously, you know, when it comes to you know, trash and other forms of waste, when in doubt, pack it out. Principle four is leave what you find. So you know, if, if, you're, if you're on a high mountain alpine area and you're admiring the wildflowers, you know, leave it there for the next person to enjoy instead of picking a bouquet and taking it home principle five, minimize campfire impacts. Um, again, pretty self-explanatory. I'd say the one on this is to really, really, really do your research. Uh, make sure that if you are doing a campfire, you're not in an area that's at high fire, fire risk. There's not fire bans in place. But so yeah, doing your research on this one's a big one. And then principle six is respect wildlife. We, I don't know if, if, if you're familiar with the, the, the rule of thumb, but essentially it's putting your hand out straight with your thumb up. And if you're, if your thumb covers the animal completely, you're at a safe distance. If not, um, if that goes wrapping around the thumb, you might, you might want to back up a little bit. And principle seven is just be considerate of others, recognize that everyone has the right to be in the outdoors. Everyone has the right to experience it in their unique ways. And it's your responsibility as, as someone who's out there to, to be open and to be excited, to introduce, you know, all all different people and all different activities into that space.
0: Nice. Yeah. And those are all, uh, you know, fairly uh, straightforward and and kind of standard. I mean, a lot of it's almost um, stuff that you would just expect, um, you know, almost in your daily, your daily life, right? I mean, there's a couple of things that are like, Camping on durable surfaces that maybe um, that makes sense to me as well. So, this is yeah, this is not rocket science what you guys do uh, or what you talked about here at the Principles. How do you guys apply this now with some of the stuff you do out there, some of the programs and things you, you have going ongoing with Leave No
2: Trace? Yeah, well, um, my role within Leave No Trace is uh, a Subaru Leave No Trace traveling team. And so A lot of my work is traveling around the country to different events, different land managers, national parks, state parks, to talk to the general public, talk to land managers about leaving their trace, and just educate, uh, give free education to people about these seven principles. Because although we may think that these can be, uh, you know, like uh, self-explanatory or everyone should know this, um, it'd be surprising on how many people... Uh, find a lot of these things surprising, which is like you know good inf- information for people to know, um, especially with the increase of um, outdoor recreation nowadays. And so, mm-hmm. That's a
0: good yeah. point. That's a good point. So somebody comes out of the, you know, is in Chicago and has never been out of the city, and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, this outdoor thing is cool," <laughs> and then yeah. they're outdoors that they have no idea about any of this stuff. They're like, exactly. "Oh yeah, where do I go to the bathroom?" I guess you know. <laughs> and you see that everywhere. I mean, that's the that's the thing that sucks is right. You still see it on the rivers. We do a lot of river trips and. I mean, man, the amount of toilet paper you see out there flying around, yeah. it's like mm-hmm. unbelievable, you know, and, and it's, uh, you know, it's like, it's almost, it feels like it's a slow process. Do you guys find the, the poop thing is one of the biggest, um, thing, uh, problems out there still?
2: You know, poop is definitely a big problem. Um, especially in the back country areas. Uh, we've been talking to a lot of land managers, um, hearing about with just the increase of people, maybe if, a few people weren't bearing it back uh, a few years ago that that few people are is now exemplified to many people aren't doing that. And so we find that um, to be a problem across the board, but uh, still still teaching about how to how to bury your waste or oh, now moving into the area of packing out your waste is always a, a good idea as well um, because of how many cat holes will be out there now
0: right and what is the what's the uh what's the recommend? i mean there's different ways to do it but what do you guys recommend the packing out is the the wag bag is that the most common thing people are doing in the like hiking out there
1: yeah i'd say it's uh it again depends on where you're at um different ecosystems have different abilities to process human waste um and so if, if you're on a you know backpacking trip down in Arizona in the desert, we would hundred percent recommend every single time you're there that you're packing out that waste because without, without those microbes in the soil to break down the human, uh, poop, it's not, it's, it's going to be there for, for much longer than if you're, you know, you know, say up in, you know, Northern Wisconsin, where there's lots of microbial activity in the soil and lots of, you know, moisture to help break that, that down. So, um, I think when in doubt with, with the, 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 increasing amount of users, uh, use a wag bag. Um, but recognize that, you know, what you do in the Pacific Northwest is not necessarily what you're going to do in, you know, the, the Northwest. Yeah.
0: It's going to be different. I and mean, what's the, and we've talked, the wag bags come up a few times on this. And just for those maybe that don't know, what is, you know, is that something you just could Google up and there'll be a bunch of different products or is there a specific type, uh, company or something like that of what you
2: need to get? There's a bunch of different companies, but um, WAG stands for Waste Alleviation and Gelling. And so a lot of these bags that you can poop in, um, they'll come up. There's like Rest Stop, there's the WAG bag, there's... a bunch of different brands but that's kind of the concept of the item yeah okay good i'll put a
0: i'll put some links in the show notes for for some of the stuff we're talking about here just so people you know because again i think there are going to be folks out there listening that maybe haven't you know had to use those yet and it'll be good to have a little resource so um so this is good i think we're we're, we've got a good start on this and so far i'm not uh, you know super surprised it feels like i'm i'm probably i'm doing okay but um Let's go back real quick on the history because we've had a number of founder stories that have been pretty cool on this podcast. Can you give us, um, you know, like just the background? How did how did it get started? How did leavenotrace.org or I guess lnt.org uh, start?
1: Yeah, so kind of a unique, a unique starting story. Leave No Trace as a concept has been around uh, for quite some time. It was essentially, it, it was originally a kind of, guideline for for how to recreate wind in the back country that was developed by National Park Service and a bunch of other kind of land managers in the 60s and then since then has really kind of adapted and adjusted and then in 1994 um, the actual 501c3 nonprofit that we work for was founded and you know have seen, a huge amount of growth if you look at, you know, what was recommended in the sixties versus what is recommended now. But yeah, it originally developed by land managers um, and adapted into a kind of full blown conservation minded organization in 94.
0: Gotcha. So it was probably a group of land managers that came together and said, Hey, we need to have a nonprofit that that kind of helps guide things into the future. Is that kind of it wasn't necessarily like one person that came in ninety four and was like, hey, let's start this thing. It was more of a group effort
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
0: all right perfect well let's go back to a uh, couple of examples we you know just uh, again some of the things maybe people aren't thinking about that maybe they're doing or you know i I mentioned that banana example you know talk about that why you know and obviously this changes depending on where you're at but why tossing food uh, apple cores little stuff like that if you're in a thick wooded forest you know where it
2: disappears in the shrubs why would that be a bad thing yeah, you'd be surprised on, um, depending on the environment, how long some of these items take to break down. So often orange peels and banana peels, they can take up to two years to decompose. Um, and within that time, could disrupt wildlife, the The cumulative impact of all, if all of us threw an orange peel or an apple core one time, so many of us going outside. Uh would there be built up accumulation, so maybe the social aspect of seeing all this food waste on the ground would be displeasing, but those are those are some of the reasons why for that you know look to pack it out
0: <laughs> yeah pack it out and and I always think of that we've talked a lot about the bears recently, and I think that that's one thing you know, just food in general, right I mean people sometimes you don't realize that Bears are a good example of an animal that can be, you know, had to put down if if it starts getting used to eating human food, right? Not to mention having a bear in your camp is never a good thing. Is that? Do you guys think is bears one of those animals out there that's always that comes up a lot, hot topic? Or are there other animals out there?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, bear bear are obviously a, a a popular point of conversation, talk talking about kind of human interaction with animals. We all know that the slogan, you know, a, a fed bear is a dead bear. But um, I think it's important to recognize that, you know, there, there is there is a chain within within this ecosystem. And so if even if you're not leaving, you know, a whole burger in camp, if you're leaving crumbs on the ground, that's attracting, you know, squirrels and small animals, which then attract larger animals, which attract larger animals. And so it's important to not feed the, the cute chipmunk because there's, you know, 15 different lines that, that will get you to that bear. And so, um, you know, animal interaction, even if it's not feeding a grizzly bear, will have, you know, pretty detrimental effects on on that ecosystem.
0: Yeah, it's the whole ecosystem. That's what you guys are probably always thinking about. It's not just like a bear or a animal. It's really, you're, you're, you guys are always thinking about the whole thing. How does How is everything interacting? I mean, how, how is that with you guys on the you know the science end. You might not have a you know great example for all these, but you know, do you guys back this up? What sort of research are you are folks doing a lot of this type of research, or is this coming more from the land managers? Where was where you know where you're making your decisions on kind of what topics to tackle next, that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, uh, all all of our education that 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 you see, whether it's seven principles or you know specific guidelines for the Rocky Mountain, they're they're created through a, a very rigorous process of, of research. And so any education that we put on is not just like a thought about it one day. That sounds good. And we, we published it. It's, it's, it's education that was, you know, maybe created in house or created by the national park service. And so we, we essentially have a, have a, have an organization, a committee um, with representatives from the, the five major land, um, national land managers, as well as, um, university professors who do research on the human interaction in the outdoors. And so anything that we put out is vetted through that very rigorous process. And so if we're saying this is what we recommend on, you know, bear canisters in Nevada, it's been vetted. It's been, it's been put through, through the ringer of pretty much every influential organization that, that, that is out there on, on the ground managing these areas.
0: Right. So it's been, yeah, it's been through the ringer and You've got scientists on staff you know, people and land managers, and then so if something comes out, and that's a good example, like the, the bear stuff. The, uh, you know, I think some of that's being required now, right? The, the uh, actual hard, the hard-sided uh, bear canisters uh, versus hanging in the tree. We had a conversation. We talked to, uh, on a recent episode with uh, Bear Vault, and they said, you know, the, the hanging of the trees isn't really. I'm not sure if that's gone fully. Where you know, in all national parks, you have to have a. a hard canister, but that's probably a good example, right? Of where some research came in and said, Hey, this isn't really working, just hanging in a tree. Do you guys know much about that topic?
2: Yeah. So, um, most often we recommend people to have a a bear canister. We did talk with the bear of all as well and heard about, um, all the, the bear hangs, especially, I think it really goes back to how many people are going outside. It used to be, you know, maybe a few people in the backcountry in a certain area per year and now it's you know thousands and thousands of people and so the idea of everybody hanging their uh food and gear on on trees can add up that impact on the trees and so it is a good idea now to you know have your bear canisters and again it does uh depend on where you are um in the local regulations but more and more we see bear canisters becoming a requirement though
1: mm-hmm.
0: This episode is sponsored by Bear Vault, assuring your next backcountry trip stays memorable, epic, and safe. Bear Vault builds a rugged polycarbonate locking canister that keeps bears and other wild animals out of your stuff. This definitely uh, keeps you safe and keeps the bears safe while out in the woods. We've heard all those bear stories over the years about them ripping into your uh, your gear, your cooler, your boats, you know, whatever um, there's all sorts of ways to do it wrong, but Bear Vault will make sure you don't have to worry about that on your next trip here. Believe it or not, food storage is a key consideration within the backcountry. Uh, the Bear Vault has a couple of great bonus features, including uh, it acts as a, a stool. That's always handy. It's got a large, wide opening mouth, so you can grab all your gear, and it's easily uh, accessible. You can see everything through the clear canister be the guy who has the epic trip, not the guy who has to hike out early because of improper food storage. Bear Vault will keep you rolling. Check them out right now. That's wetflyswing.com slash bearvault. That's B-E-A-R-V-A-U-L-T to check them out right now. Okay, back to the show. And you guys are both in, I mean, you think about the two places, Colorado. And in uh, California, right? I mean, definitely you hear about some bear encounters in uh, both of those places, right? There's probably, if there's hot spots around the country. Do you, and, and that, is that how you guys see it? I mean, you, are you guys in two of the really hot spots for, for bear encounters?
2: Yeah, I do a lot of work um, and love to go to Yosemite out here. And so there's a lot of bears out here. And so I personally, well, I've when I was in Washington, I've seen a bear uh, on the dock when I was backcountry camping on a lake. But other than that, I haven't seen any in California, though I hear there's a bunch and and I know for a fact there's a bunch, but uh, mm-hmm. I've been pretty fortunate not to have to be too close to some bears.
0: Yeah, that's good. And Peter, you the Sammy, I mean, are you are you near uh you'd probably be down the Rocky Mountain, all that stuff.
1: Oh yeah. Um and I, I think we have one added benefit for you know, kind of the relationship with, with bears, and that we don't have grizzly bears in Colorado. Yeah. Um that that there was a whole different wrench into you know, how how you deal with bear if you if you have a, a grizzly bear up in, in Glacier versus a black bear down here. But black bears are getting smarter. You know they're they they're getting more clever. They're they're figuring out what what we've done to try and prevent them from eating our food. And so it's still an adapting, changing thing down here as well. Yeah. Nice.
0: Well, and we're talking a little bit, I mean, some of this is on the hiking end. I mean, when I when you think about that, you're kind of the people that are, I don't know, if you think about your kind of target, you know, the person out there who's really ingrained into the Leave No Trace. Do, do you guys find that it's the majority hikers or are there other niches and segments of the country where you're really focusing on that, you know, that maybe aren't focused on hiking?
1: Yeah, I think originally, obviously, based in hiking, based in backcountry. Um, but a big focus of our organization has really been taking the leave no trace ethics that are so prevalent in the backcountry and adapting it for the backyard. Um, and so if you, if you kind of, if you're, if you're into the leave no trace world, you've been kind of watching what we've been doing, a lot of content that we've been making is for the the everyday user, you know, whether it's having a, a picnic in your local park or going on a, you know, quick day hike in a, you know, a somewhat urban park here in Denver it's it is an ethic that's for everyone it it applies to pretty much any interaction you're doing in the outdoors and I think people have been kind of jumping on board with that so yes obviously you know the hiking community and the backpacking community is very historically excited about leave no trace and there's huge percentages of people in those groups that identify with us but increasingly you're finding leave no trace in communities and you know People who otherwise wouldn't have seen it because of our efforts to kind of expand that education for all.
0: Right. So basically, yeah, you guys are targeting pretty much everybody. I mean, if you're, if you're outdoors Mm -hmm. in a natural environment or somewhat natural, then you're, you could apply these principles that we talked about at the start the seven principles could apply to anywhere, whether you're in a, in, in New York, right. And, in you know, the park there, right. Is, Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, totally. Totally. Good. All right. Well, th- no, this has been been good. I mean, I think do you, do you guys feel like we've? I know we've kind of touched on the surface of this of of what it's about. But any other big topics you guys want to hit on, or programs, or anything that we you know haven't touched on here today?
1: No,
2: not on this end. Unless Peter, you have any?
1: No, uh, I would just implore people to check us out on on social, follow our website. Um, as as you said, Dave, this is kind of just scratching the surface on what we do. Yeah. We have, you know, numerous boots on the ground programs, we, you know, have much more uh, expansive ways of teaching this than just the typical seven principles. And so if you're interested, I'd check us out. Um, We have a plethora of resources, depending on on where you are and, and what you're into.
0: Good. Well, and I'm not going to let, let you guys get out here uh, that, that easy. We're, we got a, yeah. few more, a few more questions for you. But uh, uh, but I did just want to make sure, you know, again, some of this is new to me, so I want to make sure I'm not missing anything big. But it, it, uh, it sounds like so, again, if somebody wanted to dig deeper into what we're doing here or into what you guys have going, maybe even get involved. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, are you guys looking for volunteers and that sort of thing as well?
2: Yeah, always. I feel like we have different programs around the country, going on and we always look for volunteers to participate um participate even on social media when there's not a physical you know event that they can go to but always looking to get more of the community involved with leave no trace mm-hmm. perfect well
0: let's uh i've got the we got this little segment that we have going called uh, trail talk this is a this is a kind of a fun new one and um actually it, it's an oldie it's an oldie but a goodie but uh uh, top tips, tools, and resources, um, you know, and if you take this to what we're talking about here, you know, leave no trace, that sort of thing. And uh, and what we're going to do today on this one, this is um, kind of coming up with this on the fly. Um, but we're going to set up a little deal where we're going to give away, uh, we talked about one of those bear vaults. So we're going to give away, uh, a, a bear vault today. And, uh, and I think they actually have two new sizes. So we'll have to decide on what, uh, well, let's ask that to you guys. If you were going to, if, we, if somebody was going to give you a bear vault, what size out of the four, I'm not even sure if you guys know they have the new small one. What, what would you guys pick?
1: Yeah, I actually was, I was fortunate enough to see the the new ones at, uh, at outdoor retailer this year, which Great addition to the line. Um, I think they now definitely have have one that's that, that's fit for you know, any outdoor user. Um, I honestly am, am a pretty minimalist packer, um, especially when it comes to food. I, I like doing a lot of dehydrated food, and that BV four twenty five, the Sprint, I think would be a would be a great one for those those quick little one two day uh, jaunts in the outdoors. Yep. That's
0: the new small like the day the day one, right? The smallest one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And I'm and I'm gonna guess, Gary, you're probably knowing the three or four days, I'm gonna guess you're you're that that the one they had, uh whatever above that size, probably right.
2: Yeah. I think that's the four fifty. Um, but yeah, no, I would definitely go for that that medium sized one in the middle of the pack to be able to go for a little bit longer and maybe carry some for other people as well. So perfect. Well, We'll put
0: a we we'll have a link out at wetflyswing dot com slash trail talk and uh, it will be a good uh, easy place people can enter this and uh, and we'll give away one of those bear vaults so so let's go on this trail talk so the tips tools and resources um, so a couple of tips let's just think maybe if you guys want to give us one tip again so you're out there in the backcountry somebody's planning a trip they're out there you know the, something we haven't talked about today what's a tip to be to Apply that's kind of applies leave no crate, uh, leave no trace uh, principles or, or just something to think about a tip in the backcountry.
2: Yeah, I think one of the biggest tips is, um, when you're planning ahead and preparing for, you know, whatever circumstance may come, I think one thing that some people may not think about is, you know, the group, uh, skill level and or expectations of the trip. You know, we may think of the weather, we think, may think to bring extra clothes and water, but really the, the social idea of how, what does everyone want to get out of this experience? How do we fulfill that? Because, you know, everyone may have a different goal within the same trip as well. And so right. going over that, so everyone has, you know, a positive outcome, positive experience. It's um, a big tip I would give, you know, anyone going outside. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's a great, that's a great outdoor. Yeah. And I, I just, you remind me of a trip we did on the Snake River a number of years ago where we had like seven of us. It was me and a couple of buddies I knew pretty well. And then it was a couple of their buddies I didn't know. And, and, you know, it was one of those trips where it turned out fine. But I mean, (laughs) one of the guys was like, you know, he was wearing his, uh, his day hikers and he was like a badass hiker. Um, But then a lot of us had like boots on, we were getting blisters and it was in Hell's Canyon, you know, it was in that area. So we ran out of water. And yeah. it was just this extreme trip where you know, like you said, planning. What's the number one principle, right? You know, prepare. We we weren't totally mm-hmm. prepared, and I, I mean that could have gone bad. I mean, it ended up being a, a fun trip, but um, but that's and again the people, right? So if you get around with somebody who maybe is a loose cannon, that might not be a good trip, right? Yeah, know know who you're going with <laughs> as well. Yeah, no, that's the number one thing. All right, so uh, <laughs> and uh, and Peter, how about you? Give us a like a tip in the backcountry. What would you throw out there?
1: Yeah, this might not be leave no trace, but. Uh... I'll always bring that, that backpack and three weight. There's nothing, uh, nothing worse than getting up to an area and wanting to fish it and not having your gear there. So when in doubt, throw it in your pack.
0: That's right. So, and what do you have there for is, for your pack rod, what's that look like? That's a, is that a, like a four piece?
1: Yeah. Four piece. Um, I, I, I had a Reddington hydrogen, kind of a, you know, a nice lightweight, um, that I, I recently broke, and so I'm um, getting getting a new one. I'm in the market. If anyone has,
0: well, I'm going to give you a shout out. I'm going to give two shout outs here. One to a if yeah. you, if you haven't heard about this is a kind of a new product, and actually, it's a pretty kind of a weird product, really, to be honest with you. But it's the Rare Gear uh, fly rod. Essentially, it comes in, and it, it uh, packs out in literally seconds. It's it's a collapsible fly rod, so it's kind yeah. of a different uh, take on fly fishing, but um, it is a pretty cool one. So check that one out if you want something that's super easy. It won't perform, you know, like your four-piece rod. You know, it's not for, you know, you're not going to get the same performance. But if you want something super quick, that's a good example. So, um, okay, let, let's go to – so, while well, we're talking tools now. So, so give a couple of tools. Backcountry, we can just talk gear. What, what's your guys' – you know, what's your what's your one piece of gear you're not leaving home without? it's
1: mm, a good question.
0: Yeah, it is. Or, or maybe it could even be – I always like to throw the um, – What's it called? Your luxury item, right? What's that luxury item on your backpacking trip?
1: Hmm.
2: Mine's probably less interesting, but it is definitely my luxury item because it it does weigh a decent amount. Um, That would be, I'm a photographer, and so definitely my camera. I have a mirrorless camera, and so I'm always bringing that, no matter what activity or, you know, sport I'm doing. Um, i got to bring the camera and maybe another lens to get... uh, a different perspective as well but that's my luxury item i know it's mind-blowing oh
0: yeah that weighs i mean especially if you're going ultra light, a camera can weigh a little bit right have, yeah 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 with your nice separate lens nice all right that's a good one and uh peter how about you and you got a luxury
1: item uh, there yeah you got some time to think here uh hmm. I, i'd say item i don't leave without good pair of polarized sunglasses oh there you that's, go yeah i recently yeah. picked up some of the Costa Fergs uh-huh. and, absolutely love them. And, awesome. and anytime, anytime I forget them, I'm, 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 sad, but, um, luxury item. Um, I really like pillow. So and oh, yeah. I know a lot of people do like the, the sweatshirt stuffed into a, a stuff <laughs> sack and I've been there, but when I got my pillow, I, I, I wake up much nicer person.
0: That's it. I love that. And, and now if I haven't used inflatable pillows, are these things that they must just pack up super tiny and all that's super light.
1: Yeah, yeah, they, they, they do. Um, Big Agnes makes a really, really great one.
0: Oh, great. I was just going to ask you yeah, a good, good name. That's perfect.
1: Yeah, one of our great partners. So check it out for sure.
0: Okay, yeah, this is, this is awesome. I love the I love that we're into the gear because this is I'm like a gear nerd. So and you yeah. mentioned Costa, who's going to be. uh, We're doing a, a trip here uh, later this fall, so we're going to be working with them as well. That's they got some good stuff, and and they're obviously a good uh, conservation minded company as well. All right, well, so we got the two. So we're doing good on the two twenty two. We got two more here, and um, and resources. So let's talk. You know, maybe let's focus on the Leave No Trace. You guys mm-hmm. have a great resource, obviously, at your website. Who would be a couple other groups, you know nonprofits, whatever companies, anything you want that, that kind of you know would be a good uh, place that people can dig in to more to learn about this these types of conservation efforts?
1: yeah, I, I would really recommend diving in to that local backyard um, nonprofit. There's you know thousands of, of awesome small organizations that are doing really important work on a smaller level, whether it's in one, you know, state park or a national park or a city park. And so if, if there's an area you regularly visit and you get a lot out of it, you know, look up the area the, the groups that are working to protect it and, you know, whether it's donating money, donating time, um, there's so many valuable organizations out there and they're pretty easy to find. So take the time.
0: Yeah. that That, that is good. So yeah, it could be a, like you said, it could be a city park. You could talk to the city, go to a board meeting, find out what they're doing, and maybe do some education, bring you guys in and whatever, right? Help uh, the public learn. That's a good one. Um, all right. So, so Gary, you, want to, you got one there? You want to take us away on the, the 222 here?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um for another organization. Is that the question? Yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe another. And I'm just thinking it could be broadly, you know, I think you guys, it sounds like you you are the place, right? If you want to learn about these, but are there other groups that you maybe you guys work with that are doing similar things out there?
2: Yeah, I think we're we're starting to do a lot more work with um national forests. And so wherever you are, you know, national forest uh have a, a great community of people and uh, they have a lot of resources leave no trace resources and resources about again like the local area mm-hmm. um of where to recreate as well and so definitely check out like peter said the local com- organizations around you know your area the city park but also um the national forest as well perfect all right and
0: uh a couple couple more here you guys and i'll, and I'll let you get out of here um I was kind of thinking a little bit on the ends you mentioned um you know you mentioned Subaru so we we're, we're talking brands I you, you you mentioned Subaru in the the program you have going Gary what, t- can you talk about that is Subaru I'm not even familiar you know we're actually in the process of buying a new car so oh, you yeah. know is is that a company that's doing a lot I mean you you know you see all the cars you think they're outdoors but are they also doing some good stuff for the environment
2: Yeah they're doing a lot of great stuff for the environment they're one of our biggest partners as well um they uh, have a zero landfill initiative, which is that they're trying to get a few national parks to go zero landfill. Um, so they're diverting a lot of their trash at national parks um, and trying to just instill that framework and infrastructure for these parks to be able to do that. And my role specifically, they fund and help uh, give us Subarus to go travel around the country to, to provide this information um, and education. Um, and so they definitely... Uh, We see them contribute to other organizations as well that, you know, try to support the environment as well. But yeah, they do a lot of work and put their money where the mouth is really. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: That's cool. And, uh, and you
0: mentioned, and I just want to check on this, the the outdoor retailer talking gear. Uh, I haven't been to that event yet. What was that? What's that like for somebody who hasn't been there? Is that a pretty, pretty cool event to attend?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it it totally is. It's, you know, kind of one, one of those, staple um gatherings in the outdoor industry. Obviously for anyone who works in that sphere, trade shows are, are taking on a different form than than 10 years ago. Um, and so OR is no no different in that it, it's evolving. It's it's changing to meet to meet an industry that that maybe is is moving a little bit away from from these massive, very expensive nationwide uh, retailer conferences. Um, But still, a very valuable resource. A lot of really cool groups putting out very innovative and fun gear. And so, if you're a gearhead, it's there's no no better place to be for sure.
0: Yeah, it's got everything. So when you look around, it's got hundreds, probably thousands of brands. Just kind of anything you need around. And it it is kind of hiking focused, uh, or is it just broadly, just like not just hiking? It's got everything.
1: Yeah, honestly, it's it's got a little bit of everything. You'll find some some fishing groups there um obviously it's not as fishing forward as like an you know an IFTD or a Icast or something um are also great but yeah it's, it's, it's got a little bit of everything um a lot of those kind of general outdoor apparel groups you know tents puffer jackets all all, all of that stuff that applies to mountain biking and fly fishing
0: yeah and uh, so one last one here, I was going to ask you guys about your bucket list trip, but I think I'm going to uh, stay on the product line and, and think of it. And again, I know I'm putting you guys on the spot, so I appreciate you guys for hanging in here with me and, and answering these questions. But uh, so so come brand-wise, is there a brand? I mean, it sounds like Subaru, we, we noted one. Um, we recently had uh, Patagonia on and uh, heard that story. Is there another brand, you know, brands you guys would uh, kind of uh, recommend or, you know, that are out there in the outdoor space, hiking, that are kind of doing a lot of good stuff, maybe partners with you guys?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to take this one. I, I, that's the sphere that I kind of work in. Oh, good. But a lot of really, really good groups out there that that are doing good for, for our planet. Um, just to highlight one, Fjallraven, a uh, really great corporate partner of ours. They You know, donate more than just money. They donate time. They donate, you know, a platform. And and so they're they're an awesome organization that that really helps us do what we're able to do. And so I I implore people out there: if you're buying gear, check out Raven check out Big Agnes, check out Osprey. Look at where these brands are putting their money, and then put your money there. And so if you're into conservation and you're looking for a puffer jacket, see what that organization is doing. See where you know, a lot of these places are donating, you know, 1% or 10% of product to organizations. And so um, not only get some cool product, but, you know, put your money somewhere, somewhere good.
0: That's great. Yeah. And, th- and that's always the challenge is that for some, you know, you see brands out there and it's hard to say, well, are what are they doing? Right. To to say they, maybe they have a good product, but how do you know whether they are, you know, contributing the 1% for the planet, which is kind of the, right. The, uh, the, R- I, or not REI, but uh, Yvonne Chenard, yeah. I think, right. Started back in the day. I mean, that's one good way you could go to, you probably go to Patagonia's website as well and see some of the brands there. Um, Is that the tip to just do your research? How would you find all those brands that maybe are contributing to, you know, some of these good causes?
1: Yeah. I mean, checking out the 1% for the planet website, is a great way to do it. They have all of their 1% um, sponsored organizations on there. Um, Also, you know, just taking a little bit of extra time when you click on the website, most organizations that are doing something will have a sustainability section. Um, where they're, you know, describing how they implement sustainability, whether it's in product line or, you know, donating back to, you know, reduce carbon emissions, just groups that are doing that want to tell you they're doing that and and make that part of their identity. And so pretty minimal effort um, on the consumer side, check out their website, check out their story. And if they're doing something, I can promise you it's going to be there. So.
0: Perfect. All right, you guys. Well, uh, in the next kind of uh, looking out, we're kind of coming into August, September. It's summertime. What what do you have, like anything new coming out over the next year that you guys have planning that you can give a a heads up on?
2: Yeah, well, we have um, some hotspots around the country, which are basically week-long events of, you know, popular areas that people like to recreate in. And we do a week-long Leave No Trace activation there. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah, we encourage people to find out where the hotspot locations are and to go participate, you know, look into what people are doing to minimizing their impacts in these areas. Uh, but that's a great way to, you know, be able to join an event or uh, see other resources of, you know, what people are doing in all areas and ecosystems of the environment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Right. That's a good a good example. Yeah. Find an event, local event, go out there, meet some people yeah, and, uh, and then, yeah, and making a connection, like you said, and it's good to hear you guys have plenty of volunteer opportunities. And if people want to have, uh, I guess donations, right. I'm sure you guys probably accept uh, those as well. Is that uh, just, uh, the LNT.org head there and dig into your website.
1: Totally. Totally. And, um, I, I would say if you're interested, check out our membership as well, you know, for, uh, a yearly or monthly, depending on how you want to set it up. You can join as a Leave No Trace member, which unlocks a plethora of awesome resources. Uh, whether it's access to pro deals with some of our corporate partners, or you know, kind of increased uh, education content. Um, join as a member. We think we do a lot of cool work, and a lot of other people think that as well. But it requires support from organizations and from people. And so, if you're if you're stoked on the idea of Leave No Trace. And you believe that it should be, you know, implemented as far and as wide as possible, then uh, throw some support our way.
0: Love it. All right, you guys. Well, I'm gonna. Uh, we're definitely gonna help get the word out here, and uh, hope hopefully maybe down the line I'll be able to connect with you guys at one of these local events. I'd love to, uh, you know, get some people out there and and help the cause. And uh, yeah, thanks for all the time today, and uh, you know the good work you guys are doing. No, thank you for having us on.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah.
0: So there you go wetflyswing.com slash 363 363 will get you the show notes and links that we talked about today we covered a diverse topic and kind of high level so if you want to check out those seven principles hopefully we'll have a nice nice little infographic that walks through those seven principles Reminder, at the start, we are launching a super big giveaway right now, wetflyswing.com giveaway. This is the Steelhead School. This is where Jeff Liske and I are going to be out in the Great Lakes. We're going to be out in Steelhead Alley fishing some of the best steelhead rivers and going to be hitting some of the best areas in the Great Lakes at the best time of the year. So if you want to get in on this, wetflyswing.com giveaway. And we're actually also going to be uh, providing six slots, six paid slots. So if you want, you can enter that giveaway, but you could also right now uh, just grab a slot if we still have them open. So you can send me uh, an email if you're interested uh, with the subject line Steelhead School and email that to Dave at wetflyswing.com. If you end up winning the giveaway, we will refund you that money for that trip and, uh, and you'll get it if you are the winner for the giveaway. So I recommend entering the giveaway as well. And if you're really interested in going out with Jeff and, uh, and connecting with me at this school, you can do that right, right now. Okay, uh, we got all sorts of good stuff going on this fall and winter as we move forward, and we've uh, we're excited to uh, to dig into all this, and uh, and Mike, I'm, I'm excited to connect with you. So if you haven't connected with me, send me a message, Dave at wetflyswing.com, and, uh, and I hope. I can say this uh, honestly, and right now, I hope to connect with you on this river, on the Steelhead trip, on these amazing Steelhead Alley rivers. But if I don't, I hope to see you online. You can send me a message. And I hope you are having a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good evening, wherever you are in the world. Good evening, wherever you are in the world, or good morning, or good afternoon, all the way around. Uh, Looking forward to catching up with you soon. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.